huge welcome to our lead pastor, Pastor Steve Murray. Thank you, Pastor Taylor, also known as my son as well. I got a picture of my son. Would you like to see it? Let's look up here. We got one coming up pretty soon. It's coming. Look at that. That's me. That's me and Taylor. What, this picture is interesting. This couch that we're sitting on, one night I was feeding him in the middle of the night because my wife and I would take turns because he was being bottle fed. And I fell asleep feeding him. And I, it was a, one of those hide-a-bed couches. And the, the, the couch cushion had come out a little bit. And I woke up, and I didn't know where I was, and I jumped up, and Taylor fell down in between the couch and the thing <laughs> and went all the way to the ground in there. And uh, I picked him up really quick so my wife wouldn't see. I said, he's crying. What's wrong? And I said, well, he's hungry. Um, but he's in the bottom of the couch. All right, uh, next picture. There's the look right there. Is that an awesome look right there? That's a happy kid right there. Taylor had, when he was a baby, his mouth was stuck open all the time. It was like, and, uh, but he was always happy. He was always had bright eyes. And, but during that time, sometimes his eyes would get really big, and we knew he was going to vomit. Taylor could vomit from the back seat of a car over the front seat to the front floor. He could projectile vomit. It was amazing. He is like the world's greatest vomiter, and uh, that was him. All right, so then next picture. See that? You can't really see this old picture from the 70s. That's me in the background. My wife is on my left side, and the girl in front uh, is a girl that made a huge impression on my life and one of the reasons I turned my life around. And uh, as you can see, my hair used to be really awesome and super relevant. Uh, so I might have to grow it back. Next picture. And this, this is the beauty right here. Is that beautiful or what? That was, yeah, yeah, that was beautiful back in the day. You know, the interesting thing about this picture is this picture right here was right about the time that uh, I had stopped going to any kind of church. I was, we went to Catholic church, and we had uh, all kinds of things that we learned in Catholic church and stuff. It's a little bit different than the kind of church that we go to now and here. A pro what we call this is a Protestant church, and the Catholic church does things a little bit differently, a little bit more traditional, and has a lot of old traditions that are really awesome, uh, but sometimes they don't seem relevant to today, Right? And so that was one of the reasons I started going to a Protestant church later on in life. But right about this time, this age in my life, um, I learned this prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And it's something that everybody that grew up in Catholic church, anybody grew up in a Catholic church? Okay, we got a few over here, there, there. Uh, sometimes in Lutheran churches as well, they learn this, Episcopalian churches. You learn what's called the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the reason that they teach this um, is so that you're rooted and grounded in the prayer that Jesus told people to pray. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't know what we're doing when it comes to things. One time I was on a plane, and I was coming back from Africa. It was late at night, and I heard some water dripping, and, and everybody was asleep on the plane. 
And I heard water dripping. It sounded like it was coming from the overhead in the thing. And I thought, oh, no, there's somebody spilling some water up on the overhead, right? So I'm kind of like going, that's not good in a plane to have water. How did water get in the plane? And, uh, and, and I keep hearing it gets louder and louder. And, and so I kind of sit up to look to see where the water's coming from. And I look, and there's this old man standing in the aisle. He's got his pants unzipped, and he's peeing in the aisle. He is literally peeing in the aisle. And I go, is this really happening? And I look, and there's this big puddle of water. And I go, sir. I go, sir. Sir. You can't do that here. <laughs> and he wakes up, and his eyes open up bright. He goes, oh, oh. And he zips himself up, and he goes and sits down. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's like urine all over the aisle. So I go back and tell the stewardess. And I tell the stewardess, I go, ma'am, I hate to tell you this, but there's a guy that just peed in the aisle. She goes, not again, not again. <laughs> and so they have to bring out hazmat suits and all that, and they clean it up, vacuum it all up. And, and, uh, and, and so it was, it was, it was kind of pretty gross, right? So about half hour later, they finally, everything's quiet again. Everybody's asleep. All of a sudden, I see that guy get out of his chair again. Sure enough, he unzipped his pants. He started to go for it. And uh, I said, dude, hey, you can't do that. And he wakes up and he goes, oh, 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 thank you, thank you. And he goes and sits down again. Found out later he was taking Ambien. And the Ambien is a, is a drug that makes you fall asleep and you forget. I mean, people literally, like, leave their house on Ambien and go places, kill people, and then come home, Right? I mean, that's how bad the drug is. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But anyway, this guy, this guy was doing something that he had done for years, but he didn't know what he was doing right then. And, you know, sometimes we do stuff and we have no idea what we're doing. And sometimes we don't know when people talk about praying for people. We just heard, that was a great word. Did you love that take five? I was so impressed by that. Yeah. I mean, are they always that good like that? Yeah. That was awesome. That was fantastic. You keep doing stuff like that, man. You're going to change people's lives. That was good stuff. I got a lot out of that. But there's, um, there is this, this idea that we talk about praying for people. We talk about praying for your food. We talk about praying for people in Afghanistan. We talk about praying for, you know, we talk about all these praying things, right? But sometimes we just never take the time to learn how to pray. And so if we were to really be honest, a lot of us in this room, we just don't know how to pray. Well, that's what Jesus' disciples, they found themselves in this place where they didn't know what they were doing. And so they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus teaches them how to pray, play, uh, pray. And if you have a Bible, look at Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. So Jesus is talking to his crew. And he's saying, look, you guys, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I'm paraphrasing right now. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in this world and all this kind of stuff. And then these guys come up to him and they say, hey, look, we don't even know how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says this. He says, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites. For they love praying, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by other people. I truly tell you that they have received their reward in full. In, in, um, in full. 
So sometimes we do things to be seen. I, I loved uh, the, the one card game that we are just playing where they talked about uh, to be seen stacking chairs. Sometimes we like to be seen doing good things. We like to be seen serving. We like to be seen praying. We like to see, be seen worshiping. We like to be seen in, in Starbucks reading our Bibles. You know, all kinds of stuff. But if you go to do that, to be seen, your reward is being seen. You see what I'm saying? Your reward is being seen. There's some papers that are going out right now, you guys, and we're going to get to those in a minute. If you just get those, just lay them down, fold them in half, whatever you want to do. And there will be some pens and paper, uh, some pens going around for those of you that didn't bring a pen. Hopefully you already have a pen because you bring your journals and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. But So he says, your reward comes by being seen if that's what you're doing. But there's other rewards that come when you pray because you want to connect. When you pray because you want to connect with God and you, and, and, you, and you want something to go on in your life that you don't have right now. So we pray to get recentered. We pray to get rid of the anxiety. We pray so that the sadness can lift. We pray so that we can get insight. We pray so that we can learn how to do stuff. We pray so we can hear God's voice. We pray for all kinds of reasons. But he says, if you pray to be seen, your reward will be being seen. And that's not very fulfilling, right? And verse 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room. Close your door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's, there is times when we are worshiping corporately. There's times when we, we pray and people see us. But then there's some time where you go into a room where nobody else is at. You get into that private place. You get into that place. Some people would call it the secret place. That secret place that you go where it's just you and God. Where you can say, hey, God, I'm, I'm really I'm not doing so good right now. I feel like I'm the only person in my school. I feel like I'm the only person of my friends that really is serious about you. And, and this, is, this is hard for me. And you get into that secret place where you and God can commune and talk, right? And so Jesus is teaching them, hey, guys, take some time out. Get by yourself. Get alone with the Lord. Go into your room. Close your door. Pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. You see, God, God's already in your business before you go in that secret room. God's already in your business. He's like, he's like, he's in you. He's like on the inside of you. He's, see, I can see the outside of you, and whatever you tell me lets me know a little bit of what's going on inside of you. But God sees all that's going on inside of you, right? He's like Santa Claus. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you've been awake. Now, Santa Claus is more like him than God is like Santa Claus. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we, if we start singing that, we'll start bringing in Christmas pretty soon. You know there's going to be the peppermint lattes and the whole deal. We're not ready for that. We've already got pumpkin spices already out at Starbucks. It's just disgusting. But anyway, so Jesus goes on to say this. He goes on to say, he goes, this is how you should pray. Now listen, right now, how many know what's going on in Afghanistan? You know there's people stuck there that can't come home? You know that there's people being killed there. 
because of their faith. You know that there's people that have helped American and British and others, other countries' soldiers that are being hunted down and murdered right now. In the underground church, they, have to, they can't meet like this, so they have to meet in secret in small, tiny little groups, usually by themselves or just with one or two other people. They have little pages from a Bible rolled up and hidden in places. They don't have a whole Bible. They have just little pieces, little scripture sections that they can keep hidden someplace. They can swallow them if they need to. Because they, they're being hunted. Serious. The persecuted church in Afghanistan is 450,000 people, and every day people are coming to know Jesus. Because it doesn't slow them down. In fact, persecution causes more people to come to God than anything else. I think we got a picture up here. If we could pull that picture up there. There's a lady praying in secret by herself. I bet you anything she's praying the Lord's Prayer. Because this is the first thing they learn in the persecuted church. This is the first prayer they memorize. Is the prayer that Jesus said, pray like this. So what you're about to read is what Jesus said to pray. Next picture. This is one of the Christians that they caught. They're beating him. Uh, I don't know if they beat him to death, but this is the kind of thing that they do when they catch you with a Bible or they catch you worshiping or they catch you praying or they catch you professing Christ or witnessing Christ. This is the kind of thing that happens. You want to know the kind of prayers these guys pray? They pray a prayer like this. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Listen to it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. From the evil one. So guys, this is what the disciples went to Jesus. They had persecution like you saw in the picture. In that time, if you chose to follow the way of Jesus, oftentimes people were killed, beaten. Some of the greatest persecution came after Jesus died on the cross. But Jesus taught them how to pray because they asked. So I'm going to ask you really just plainly tonight. If the disciples didn't wait for Jesus to tell them how to pray, Jesus didn't bring up, you need to pray. They brought it up. They brought it up and said, teach us how to pray because they were aware they didn't know what they were doing. They were asleep. Okay? Guys, we live in a time right now. You need to understand this. What's happening in Afghanistan could happen in this country someday. Heaven forbid that it would, but it could. And if it did, would you know how to pray? Would you know how to pray or would you just run scared and afraid? Would you not know what to do? Would you be caught standing up peeing? Not knowing, peeing all over yourself. Freaked out because you didn't know how to pray. So let's go through this prayer because 
I memorized this prayer in that picture that you saw. I, I knew this prayer back in those days. But I didn't know what I'm about to tell you today. So you're going to get some insights to this prayer that is very powerful. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to think about doing is to position yourself like one of the disciples that said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so listen to this message tonight as a person that wants to learn how to pray. And so the first thing I would encourage you to do is pick a translation that you like reading from. And I, I printed this out in the New Living tra Translation. Or, I'm sorry, the NIV translation. Because I think it flows good. It's very close to the way that most people have it memorized. And I think that if you'll memorize this passage to the point where you can say it without reading it, that it just becomes habit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. I'm telling you right now, those people in Afghanistan are on their knees and they're praying that prayer over and over and over again. Because their kids' lives depend on it. Their life depends on it. Their friends' lives depend on it. Their country depends on it. And they're saying this prayer, I guarantee you, more than any other prayer. If you don't know this prayer, please memorize it. But don't just stop with memorizing it because saying a prayer over and over again, over and over and over again, I mean, we're instructed here. It says, don't pray babbling over and over and over again. But when you pray this prayer, you take it apart and every line is a trigger. Every line is a trigger for a different area to get recentered in, to get your soul calmed down, to be grounded, to be okay, to get through the tough time that you're having. Now, your things you're dealing with are nothing compared to Afghanistan, but your stuff is real. Your stuff, it, God cares about it. And he's in you, but he's trying to bring you to places like this here so that you will get things like this prayer memorized in your spirit so that you can calm your family down when there's a disaster. You can calm your little brother, your little sister, your friends at school, your teachers. Your, I mean, whoever it is that's in your life, your friends from church, all the stuff, right? God wants to put something in you so that you're, you're the one. Just like in that take five we heard tonight. That when you go through stuff, then you're able to help somebody else with the stuff that you got. And when you got this prayer memorized, you're going to be able to help somebody. I guarantee you. So let's take this apart. First of all, let's take a look at the first part of this of this prayer when it says our father in heaven first of all it didn't say your father in heaven or my father in heaven it says our father in heaven now first thing that you want to understand about god is that he is the father of all of his creation not just the people that believe correctly He's the Lord. He's the creator. He's the heavenly father. He's the one who created all things. He, was, he knew you before you were even born. He knew you before you accepted Christ. He knew you before you started going to church. And he was into you. And he was knocking on your door from the time you were little. And it doesn't matter what religion people are. God's knocking on their door. He's trying to reach them. We see the story in the Bible where there's a guy named Saul, and he's riding on a horse, he's going to per persecute Christians just like they're doing in Afghanistan right now. And he was on his way to persecute Christians. And a white light, sh bright light shined and totally wrecked him. 
and he heard the voice of God and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you pushing back? Why are you resisting me? I've been knocking on your door, dude. I've been trying to get your attention, just like he's trying to get some of your attentions right now. He's been knocking, and he wants it. And, and so he's knocking on everybody's door, even the Taliban, even the people that are persecuting the Christians. Excuse me. But he's our father. He's the father of humanity. So when you go to God, you're going to the God of everybody, even though they don't know it. It's our job to wake them up so that they know it. That's what being born again. You heard that phrase, born again? Born again just means you, you come alive, you become spiritually awake, that God's been knocking on your door since the beginning of time. And when you receive it, you get to enjoy the benefits of it. And it's eternal. It's beautiful. And God is your father. Now, first of all, let's keep this in mind. It goes on to say, hallowed be your name. So this is a trigger to remember reverence, show reverence to God. Respect. Bring the respect. Okay? That might, that might be taking your hat off when we pray. That might be by bowing your knee in worship, lifting your hands. Anytime you do any of those things, you're showing respect. You're saying, hey, God, I lift your name up. I don't lift my name up for just anybody. You are our father, and you're worthy to be respected. You're worthy to, to listen to. You're worthy to seek. We're, we need to be seeking after him. And so, so the first thing in this prayer is we recognize that it's our father, not just my father, not just your father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Sacred is your name. That's why we don't use God's name in vain. You don't run get mad and say, God damn it. You don't say that. Because now we're using God's name as a cuss word. We're using God's name in slang words or whatever. We're being disrespectful, so we don't do that. When you hear people say, Jesus Christ this, Jesus Christ that. No. No, that's not okay. That's my Savior you're talking about right now. That's God of the universe you're talking about. You don't use that when you're pissed off. That's not what we do. Because we hallowed his name. Then it says, in the prayer it goes on to, your kingdom come. What does that mean? What does the kingdom mean? It means, like, in a kingdom, there is a king. And in the kingdom... You submit to the king. You listen to the king. And so, so there's a rule. And, and in the kingdom, the where the kingdom lies is inside your heart. The kingdom is the part of you that wants to go do this thing, but you choose to do this thing instead because it's the right thing. The thing you want to do might be over here, but because the kingdom rules in your heart, you follow the king. Does that make sense? And so the king sometimes pulls you away from certain places, certain activities, certain ways of thinking. We're living in a day where your truth is really important. But the truth of the matter is, his truth is more important than your truth. Because we submit our truth to his truth. 
And sometimes our truth is a little bit confused because we are young, we're learning, we're, we're growing, and we're developing. And we need to make sure that our truth lines up with God's truth. And so not his, not our, not his truth line up with ours. He's our Father who's our, who art in heaven. We hallow his name. We submit to him. We lean towards him and we ask his kingdom to rule. Right? That kingdom come. That will be done. It goes on to say, your will be done. What does God want done on the earth? I guarantee you what he wants to do is he wants to protect those people in Afghanistan right now. He wants you to make sure that you're aware that he has a will to be done in your school, in your family, in your neighborhood. Guys, let me just say this. Can I just be honest for a second? I got to say this. If you are coming to UD week and week and after week and month after month, and you're the source of a problem in your family because of your attitude, you don't have the kingdom rule in your heart. Because when you have the kingdom rule in your heart, you're getting on your knees and you're praying. You're coming down to the altar and you're jumping up and down because really what you're doing is you're saying, God, give me the energy that I need to do your will on the earth, including in my family. Lord, I got a dad that is a total hard nose. He's riding my case. He's leaning on me constantly, putting me down, doing all this stuff. Lord, how do you want to use me in his life? This is what we do, guys. And so we have to get to this place where we are saying as we pray, when we say thy kingdom come, the rule of God come in my heart, okay? Not me. I'm not the center of me. God's the center of me. I submit me to him. To his will. And what's his will in your family? You have to, that's why you get on your knees. And you say, the Our Father. And when you get to your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my home as it is in heaven, in my room as it is in heaven, in my school as it is in heaven, in my youth group as it is in heaven, with my friends as it is in heaven, everywhere I go as it is in heaven, I believe that everywhere I go, I make a difference to make things closer to his will. Will. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, we have this picture of what heaven would be like, where everything is running smoothly. The Bible describes it as a place where there's no sickness, no pain, where there's beauty everywhere, where there's, there's just no end. To life. It's just life and life more abundantly. So we imagine what would it be like if God's heavenly will was done here in my house? Look at your room. Is his will obvious in your room? Is his will obvious in your home? Is his will obvious when you're hanging with your friends? This is what, when Jesus told them to pray, this is, these are the topics. Are you getting anything from this? Okay. As we go down, let's see, where do we leave off? Your kingdom come, your will be done. I remember when Cameron got a hold of this. Um, this is Taylor's brother. Uh, Taylor uh, was a youth leader. Cameron uh, was in high school, um, like ninth grade. And he came home. We were sleeping in our bed, and he came home late. And he woke us up. He goes, Mom, Dad, 
Now, if you know, does anybody know Cameron here? Cameron Murray, my son, other son. One of my other sons. I have three sons. Taylor, Shelby, Cameron. Cameron's the youngest. So Cameron comes home. And to be honest with you, I was really worried about Cameron because he was kind of a turd. <laughs> right? Wasn't he, Taylor? Wasn't he? He really was. Huh? Taylor was easy. Taylor got in trouble one time in high school because he threw a carrot. He threw a carrot in a lunchroom. He had to do Saturday school. Can you imagine that? What a heathen. So he came home. We found out what he did, and then we told him we're going to go celebrate because it's the first time Taylor's ever gotten in trouble, so we celebrated. Um, no, but Cameron was, a, Cameron was a handful. But he came home from a youth group one night, and he says, Dad, Mom, I know what I need to do. I really feel like God spoke to me tonight. I go, well, what's that? He goes, I'm going to get all the secular bands in the area, all my friends that are in bands. I'm going to get them to play and get them to play for free to raise money to drill wells in Africa. Because he saw some pictures of kids in Africa that didn't have running water. And they were drinking dirty water. So his heart just started beating for that. And something came alive in him, and he got this idea, and he was just bouncing around the room, and he was so excited. And when he told us this idea, it was really interesting. And so he, I said, do you think you can get the bands to play for free? He goes, yeah, they're all my friends. I'll get them all to play. And they're, they're always looking for a venue to play. And so he started having these things called Rock for Reasons. And, he, and, and he, Taylor helped set him up and get him all going and all that kind of stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, this many people would show up for this concert, and they'd play. And they were, most of the kids weren't even Christian kids. They would just come and they want to hear these bands and all, just they make a lot of noise and all the stuff, right? And, um, and then after each band, he would charge $5 for people to get in and then he would collect money and then he, you know, he raised like $15,000. And so the cool thing about that was he heard something he was supposed to do because he wanted to bring God's kingdom come to the valley, he wanted to expose kids that didn't know God to the plight of kids in Africa because he knew that if he woke them up with that, he could wake them up to the things of God. And so the beautiful thing is when you say this kind of prayer, things begin to happen. And so then it goes on to say this. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, one of the reasons why we encourage devos at Starbucks is because if you take the time to just read just a small portion of Scripture, a half a chapter, a chapter, whatever the case may be, two chapters and you do the soap method, what happens is there will be a verse or even a half a verse or even a word that stands out to you. And during that day, you will have what you need. When your friend comes to you and said, this is what's going on in my life and I don't know what to do. When you get to the place where you don't know what to do because of what's going on in your life and all of a sudden you remember what you read that morning. How many times have we read something in the morning and we got the bread to chew on? The scripture says that, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that is, proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so every day 
When we pray and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Wait a minute. I passed up daily bread. I need to stop there. And you go back. You go back to that place and you say, Okay, God, I need something for today. What do you got for me for today? What can I chew on? Then it goes on to say this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. How, how, do, how does it say it down here? Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Okay, what does this mean? What this means is there's times when we do things where we owe somebody an apology. Where we owe somebody a conversation. Where we owe somebody a, for, a forgiveness. We owe somebody a good turn. And sometimes we've hurt people. Sometimes we've said things. We've talked about them when we shouldn't have talked about them. We revealed a secret we shouldn't have revealed. We talked to the wrong person. We did the wrong thing. And so we ask God to forgive us. Lord, forgive me for the way I talked to my mom. When was the last time you sat in your devos and asked God to forgive you for the way you talked to your dad, your little brother, your little sister, your teachers? And so this is why this is so powerful is because when we go to God in prayer, we need to clean ourselves off, get ourselves recentered. We need to ask God to forgive us for the stuff we've done. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but there will be a time in the future, maybe even tonight, where you do something you wish you wouldn't have done, that you know wasn't right, that you know God wasn't pleased with, you're not pleased with it, your parents wouldn't be pleased with it. So we go to God and we ask him for forgiveness. Not so that we can go out and do it again, but we ask him for forgiveness because we want to change our ways. Then, just like God forgives us, He's going to bring up people, when you say this prayer, he's going to bring up people in your mind that you need to forgive. Some people that have hurt you. Some of you have been really hurt. If you just put your papers down right now and your Bibles down on the floor. But sometimes it hurts the things that people say. Some of you hear hurtful things every day single day some of you hear it every night some of you have friends that have been super abusive manipulated you you trusted them they hurt you, they betrayed you some of you feel so small about yourself just because Somebody said something. And it wounded you. And those are the people, when you take your quiet time, in that little closet, in that secret place, in your car, in that back room, upstairs, wherever it is that you go to have your quiet time, just you and God, he'll pop up a face pop up a situation
And he's going to ask you to forgive those who have hurt you. Some of you might have some people right now that you need to forgive. And some of you right now, you're the person that you need to forgive. Jesus, bow your heads. There's more to this prayer that I'll let you read on your own. And some really powerful thing, lead us not into temptation. Because we don't want to be tempted. Some of you being tempted, you're being pulled away. But we ask God to deliver us from evil, including evil people, evil ways of thinking, things that go against the things of God. But I want to go back to this forgiveness thing. Because this prayer is so powerful, especially when it gets to this place. One translation says it like this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of people who have hurt us. Maybe you're here tonight and you know you know that you need to forgive yourself and you just haven't let yourself off the hook. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you know that you got somebody that you resent so deeply because they have hurt you so deeply. God wants to set you free from that because as long as you hold this against them, you are connected to that person. And you're connected to that betrayal. You're connected to that wound. And your wound can't heal, and so it gets infected, and then you spread it to others. Oh, but when you forgive, when you release, I'm not saying that you trust. I'm not saying that you, that you are going to go back in, into that relationship. I'm just saying when you forgive, then all of a sudden, you're cut free. And your wound gets cleansed. And then instead of it being infected, it becomes a scar. And scars, my friend, tell stories. And stories are what we use to heal others. Because nobody goes to somebody that doesn't have a scar when they need some support, some help. So if you're here tonight, and you can't seem to forgive yourself. You're here tonight. And you can't seem to forgive somebody else. May our Father, who art in heaven, bring his will into your life right now as it is in heaven. Would you just come and kneel at the altar if that's you? You just need to get free. You just need to cut it loose. You need to forgive somebody. Just kneel down at the altar if that's you. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Let God do a work. There's all kinds of cruddy things going on around us, but we're not going to let those cruddy things shape us. I guarantee you this. My deepest wounds, my deepest hurts, are the things I use in counseling all the time. 
I don't use the textbooks in counseling. I use my, my scars. I use my scars. Some of you got some deep wounds, and you're going to have some big scars. And people are going to benefit from you doing this right now. We'll get a few work, youth workers standing behind these folks, and let's pray, and then we'll be done. God, I thank you for your spirit that's in this room right now. I pray, Lord, that even the people that are still sitting down because they're resisting, I pray that they would just release it right now. Release what they've been holding against themselves. Lord, I pray that they would sense your forgiveness, your healing, your hope, your love, and all the goodness that you have for them. Father, for those that are here and they have a picture of a person that they really have been wounded by. Oh, God, snip the cord right now. Let them release it. Not so that it can happen again, so that they're no longer controlled by it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 